and welcome back to the First Cut Podcast with Kyle Porter. I'm Chip Patterson. That's Kyle Porter. Kyle, I was uh, I, I missed you, man. I really, really missed you. Uh, shout out to um, Stevie and and everybody else who hit me up who said, "Man, where's like where's where's the pod? Where's where's the pod? You were taken from me." And uh, we're gonna get into uh, a lot of the. The, the PGA Merchandise Show. You were there. I did a lot of interviews. Many of them you will hear across the next week. We got Greg Norman. You'll sit down with him uh, coming up. I'll let you set it up uh, a little bit later. But, uh, man, I'm, I'm glad, to, glad to have you back on the line. How was the PGA Merchandise Show? Well, when you say Stevie, that's Stevie Williams, right? Tiger's old caddy. He was hitting you up. <laughs> nah, Stevie. Stevie's uh, Stevie's a loyal podcast listener and a very good friend. <laughs> so I, was, I had to give him a little shout out. I, I was I was glad that he was uh, he he was popping up in in my messages. But uh, but yeah, no. What do you yep. think? PGA show was um, you know being out for a week, missing the pod. My feels are all off now. Mm-hmm. You know, I just I don't have my feels anymore. Uh, but the P- the PGA show was it was kind of great, like in in a weird. Um, so so I, I think what people might not realize at, at the PGA show is you have this confluence of multi million dollar companies like Titleist and Callaway and TaylorMade, and then you also have uh, you know Joe Schmo who in, like literally invented some piece of golf equipment in his garage and he's not all of a sudden got a booth next to Titleist at this convention. And so it's this strange mixture of people and ideas and my expectations going in were, were pretty low. It it just, it just always seems like a slog, you know, like, like everybody goes because they don't want to miss out, not because they actually want to be there. Right. Uh, but like media days almost, Exactly. Yeah. Exactly like that. And so because of that, it, and this is how I feel about media day with like college football, it kind of is what you make it. Right. If you, if you, if you decide to have fun with it and just take it for what it is, then it's great. Right. But if you take it too seriously, then it really sucks. Um, <laughs> so I, I, th- I think that, I think that my uh, expectations were exceeded mostly because there were a lot of people there that, uh, you see on the road, but you don't get to catch up with very often. I got to talk to a bunch of old friends, and I, it was it was just fun. Like it was just fun to talk to everybody and to and to meet some new people, uh, to to kind of see what's a, it's a little bit of a circus. So that aspect of it is is pretty entertaining, and uh, it was a, it was a good time. It I was, mean, it's it in was, a convention really, center, right? Like. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's set up like a boat show or a gun show or the flea market <laughs> or something that I would go to the state fairgrounds and go see like, like ultimately on its surface. And the other thing is you were talking about Joe Schmo, the inventor. I just imagine that it's like if whenever you're up early or up late and you fall asleep and you're watching uh, those mm-hmm. overseas tournaments, like whatever yeah. commercials are airing on Golf Channel at 3 a.m., that guy's product is going to be at this show. Yeah, that's like the uh, best case scenario, I think, for that guy's product is ending up on the the European tour commercials at 3 a.m. Right. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's it's an incredibly large area convention center and, and it's set up. 
I mean, I, I think I, th- I think somebody said if you walk through every aisle like back and forth, it's like three and a half miles total. Get your steps uh, in. Yeah, <laughs> I, mean, you, I mean, you get your steps in just walking to your own booth. I mean, yeah. it was it was ludicrous, and uh, yeah, it, it was it was fun. It was entertaining. I don't know if I'm like dying to go every year, but the experience of it was, uh, I, I thought it was, I thought it was really enjoyable. I thought it was good. And again, uh, we, Kyle sat down did a lot of videos, did a lot of interviews. We will have the audio portions of that over these next two podcasts. Greg Norman, uh, coming up a little bit later in this show, Susie Whaley, PGA of America, Bob Denny, golf historian, and Jonathan wall. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, a good, good friend of yours, y'all uh, got a chance to catch up. That will be in the next episode. So make sure as always you hit subscribe and, uh, so that all of those can be delivered right to your podcast or device. All right, back to the golf. Um, let's see. I don't want to start with the, uh, incredible, like, Hmm. I, I'm, I'm trying to think of like a, a, a way to say this, like, like I, I got real fired up. And I got really excited about getting some uh, some Monday playoff golf after it went six holes and uh, and and nearly like derailed the entire CBS uh, Grammy schedule. You know, on Sunday, uh, I was you know I, I was excited about seeing Alex Norton and Jason Day take it out, and then from 250 yards out. Um, Alex Noren comes up about a yard short of perfect, trying to get the green on his, second sh- on his second shot, falls in the water. Jason Day gets to play it cool. And then like, I was just as I, I was, I was very bummed that we didn't get more fireworks uh, from, from the, uh, from the end of uh, the farmer's insurance open. Yeah, I agree. It, it's it, Monday playoffs are always anticlimactic. I was thinking about last year at the Zurich, tournament where they had the uh the team the teams had to come back on monday that isn't that right cam, uh, cam smith and i forgot who zerk uh, is Jonas the team Blakes. i don't remember the the finish but yes I think i'm pretty right. sure they had to come back because kisner kevin kisner made that insane uh chip on 18 when it was basically dark on sunday and then they had to come back on monday and uh, anyway all i have to say Monday playoffs are usually anticlimactic because a there's not as many fans, or in the case of the, None. Of the farmers, there's not any fans. Yeah. There's, there's like there's like some maintenance workers off to the side that Jason Day is is raising this putter to, or I, I don't know, I don't know who was out there, but that was humorous. Uh, and yeah, just the the one hole deal and and Alex Noren hitting it in the water did not make for the best uh, Monday experience. They, there should be some rule where like. If you go to a Monday, like if you if it spills over into a Monday, there's like a minimum of three, three holes that you yeah, have to play. Hundred percent. I was I was thinking about that too. I was like, it would have been awesome uh, if you know Norin at least you know when he's when he's hitting his drop, if he knew like, all right, well you know I'm, I'm gonna prob- I'm gonna take a bogey here, but. Uh, I can be really aggressive on t- the next two holes and and try and you know figure out a way to to chase him down. Like I just uh, I agree with you. If if you're gonna make these guys stick around, um, let's 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 not have it be let's not have the the championship be decided on like your second shot of the day. A cold like yeah. like a cold shot from the from the first cut. Like some pretty thick rough. Oh man, that was a bummer. Would anybody not agree? Like, would anybody disagree with that? 
Jason I, I don't Day. Think they, well, yeah, <laughs> but like in the moment, yeah. Like before you start, I think both players, or if there's more than two, would agree. I think everybody that's producing the the, the broadcast would agree. Fans would like it better. I I, I just I don't see the downside of that. It, it's I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's even a possibility, but it seems like something that that should be in play. But man, the playoff was fun. You know, especially on Sunday. The the whole day was kind of a it's kind of a drag, honestly. You know, Tiger gets done, drops the I was trying to shoot sixty five, even though he shot seventy two. And then it's like three hours of just I don't I don't know if I want to watch this golf. Right. You know, because uh, Ryan Palmer shot like 37 on the back. JB Holmes shoots 38. Jason Day shoots 38. Alex Noren shoots 38. And you're like, these are the these are the best guys. Like this is the who the tournaments between. <laughs> and then you get to the playoff, and all of a sudden it's just. I mean, Jason Day didn't miss a shot. Put six playoff holes, birdied four of them, and the shots he was hitting were just outrageous. I mean, he he had some incredible shots, and I was impressed by Noren. You know, I, I think that. He's a he's a weird guy who I think is is both overrated and underrated. Interesting. So he's over he's overrated because and this is sort of my maybe this is an Oklahoma State thing because this is my kind of my Fowler take too. He's overrated because he he's been in the top ten or fifteen of the world and he's not he's not a top ten player in the world. Like I, I don't think anyone, probably including himself, thinks that. Um, but he's also underrated because people in the U S just don't know about him. Haven't heard of him. And he's won a lot on the European tour. He's good. He's a really good player. And, he, and he's a really interesting candidate. Uh, we can talk about this later in the year, but for the Ryder cup team, I think that's going to be kind of a, an interesting, maybe sub, sub, subplot of the year, right? Uh, especially on the European side. But yeah, I think he's, I think he's a really good player and he's, he's fun to watch. Um, he had some great shots. He's got a, he's got a good short game and it, it, I, I just thought the sort of diversity in, in the games between or of their games between day and him was, was really interesting. What'd you see, uh, from, from Jason, from Jason day in, in those playoff holes where, um, you're you're starting to look at him and figure out a way to handicap the way he's going to be the rest of the year. And I ask this because I was uh, I was I was I, I didn't pull the trigger because it's just some real degenerate stuff. But you know the the each player who's going to play better uh, in a day kind of wagers that you could make for entertainment purposes oh, yeah. only. That's but like that's insane. I after, it's really degenerate stuff. But I was looking after uh Jason went low on Friday, I was like, oh, this is prime fade daytime. There's no way he he does that again. Yeah, but like, yeah. you know, we're we're seeing a uh you know he's 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 probably gonna cry about his back for the rest of the season. But are are we going to see uh, a year where you're starting to take him a little bit more seriously? Where like my inclination to fade the idea that he's going to be able to string together enough con- consistent and strong strong rounds to to be winning and contending to win often. The the interesting thing to me about Day is that you watch him, and it never really it never really looks great. He's he's sort of a like a middle class man's 
John Rahm in that sense. Obviously, he's won more than Rahm. He's more accomplished than Rahm. He's won a major. But you watch Rahm and you're like, ah, does this look good? I, I mean, he, he's kind of, they're both kind of like a, a, a bull in a in a china shop. Like they're just so overbearing and overpowering, and they hit the ball high and far, but it doesn't. I don't know. I never watch a day, and I'm like, man, this is this is beautiful to watch. Like this is how golf should be played. And yet he figures out how to how to score. Like you just look up and you're like, oh, wow, he's t- ten under. Like yeah. really? I feel like I've been watching him, and it doesn't feel like ten under. Um, and and, and he drove the ball really well. I, I I was looking back at his strokes game. That that's where he made up most of his strokes, especially on. Um, what was it? He shot. I think he shot the round of the tournament, sixty-four on Friday. Right, and and that was obviously impressive. I, I think there's going to be so. So you look back at his 2016. He wins five times. Wins the major. Wait, did he win the major in 16 or 15? 15. 15. He won yeah. PGA in 15, but his 16 is when he. I, I guess there was like a. This was his first win since 15. No, it was his first one. He won the 16 players, didn't he? Oh yeah, first one since sixteen. I'm getting. Am I getting my years confused? He won. Let's see here. He won f- five times in fifteen. Yeah, five times in fifteen, and then he won four times, three times in sixteen. He won Arnold Palmer, match play, and players, and then he hasn't won since. So he won f- eight times from February fifteen to May sixteen. That's a lot. That's a that's a whole lot. And if you look back at his strokes gain during that time, I think it was in 15. He had the best, I've said this before, but he had the best season strokes gain putting in the strokes gained era. So that's 15 or 16 years. I think 02 is when it started. Best season ever in putting. That it's, it's not sustainable. You can't do that again. And so I think the, the reality of him is that he's, he's not a, he's not a, winning five times a year guy because you can't sustain that that type of putting but he might be a winning two or three times a year type of guy i I got a lot of tweets about my uh, jason day will never win again take uh do you do you remember me making that having that take yes uh it's not holding up well Mm. i stand i stand by it like at the time i thought it was a i thought it was i mean obviously that's like a take that it's a high risk, high reward. Right. But, but I, I stand by it. Like he's a guy who is injured a lot and there's just, it seems like there's a lot going on for him outside of the golf. And so based on all that information, I thought it was a, I thought it was a fun high risk, high reward take. I got a lot of tweets about that on Sunday and Monday. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. People, is it people just wanting to dance on you or is it, is this actual Jason day fans? Um, I'm going to guess the former because when Peter Costas yeah. in his interview on the on the empty green was like, he mentioned Jason Day fans in his interview and out loud to no one in my house, I said, who? Yeah, he's sort of like uh, Dwight Howard in that sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where are all the Dwight, like, who owns a Dwight Howard jersey? No, I mean, unless, unless it is, unless you are... Uh, an Orlando Magic fan during the finals run who really thought that this was it, you know, that this was going to be, 
this was going to be how how Orlando was it going to uh, reach the mountaintop. No, no, nobody's got a Howard Lakers jersey. Nobody's got a Howard Rockets jersey. Nobody's got a Howard Hawks jersey. And I love the Charlotte Hornets. And there is no chance in hell you will catch me in a Dwight <laughs> Howard Hornets jersey. No way. Uh, no, that's I like that comparison a lot. It's in terms of, in terms of like fa- fans among the sport. Jason Day is very much the Dwight Howard of golf. Well, and, and he's, it's such a weird thing because he's super nice. Like all my interactions, I, I've said this before too, we're, we're rehashing old stuff, but uh, all my interactions with him in press conferences and one-on-one interviews have been fantastic. Like he's, he's a, he's a really good dude. And yet I, I just don't like, I, I don't, glean the same amount of joy from watching him play golf as I do a lot of other of the, of the top players. And I I don't, I don't, I don't know why necessarily there there are probably a number of factors that go into that. Uh, so I, I don't know. And, And maybe that's not universal, but I do sort of feel like that a lot of people within the golf community, uh, feel the same way for a variety of reasons. Um, all right, let's, let's, let's get to, uh, El Gato Grande. Um, Andre Scalaraga? <laughs> no, the big cat. Uh, I, when did you, did they, CBS Sports HQ is going to be an online streaming network that is going to be available very, very soon. Yes. Um, it's, it's much like CBSN. If you've seen the CBS News, it's sort of the similar, it'll be 24 hour streaming network television on your Apple TV, Roku, and on the, your computer all the time. Kyle and I are going to be all over it because if you're on for 24 hours, you got to fill the content with something. And so I say this to ask a question and maybe propose a theory. And my theory is that if you took over, did you, when you landed, did you start doing those top of the hour updates? When I landed, when I got back to Dallas, you mean on Friday? Uh, I didn't on Friday. We we were we were on it all weekend though on Saturday and Sunday. Okay, so I was I was gonna say that I might have been the hex because I was doing top of the hour <laughs> updates and at the top of every hour and this is on Friday. You know he's he starts on ten and it's not looking good. It's not looking good at all when he's playing his first nine, uh, the back nine on Friday. And so at the top of every hour, uh, Hannah's like, "So what are you seeing?" And I'm like, "Well." He still isn't hitting fairways. He's still <laughs> missing birdie opportunities. Like even when he lines himself up for a 10-foot birdie putt, he missed it. He had two missed birdie opportunities on his first nine on Friday. And so I'm doing this top of every hour. So do you think he's going to make the cut? Nope. Do you think he's going to make the cut? Nope. Think he's going to make the cut? Nope. And after I finished my final update for the day, he goes on his run. And I've never been happier to be wrong. Tiger yeah. turns it on on the front nine, his second nine of the day. Uh, gets the birdies he needs to make the cut. And I just, I was so happy. I was elated, man. This is uh, this is four complete rounds. And even beyond that, it was a top T23, top 25 finish. Was spraying the ball all over the course for almost the entirety of the championship. <laughs> um, and like... You know, the, the, the fact that the short game was, was kind of saving him and bailing him out in terms of, uh, you know, our, our projection for what can be going on with him, I feel like that's encouraging. Yes. I, I, I think it is, too. Um, I, I, I can be talked 
either way into uh, so, so there are two different things that I can be talked into. One is, hey, the short game is not always going to be that good, and this actually wasn't a wasn't really a great week for him because he didn't hit it very well. Or the short game is the one that's more um, uh, difficult to improve, so it's easier to improve uh, your swing and 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 become more accurate off the tee. Uh, so I, I don't know which way to go with that. I sort of lean towards the second one, like the short game being there is, I think incredibly encouraging. And, and I feel like it is easier to, to, um, to, to work on, on your driver and and your, your iron accuracy, especially when you haven't uh, played in as long as he has, but I, I I don't know. I, I can go either way with that. But to me, Chip, the two things that, were most encouraging to me and and this is sort of non both of them are sort of non-golf related the first was and this this, i sound like a like a lunatic saying this but just the way he looked like his like like literally like his body and his his expression i saw you wrote that you said he looked thinner i was like well look at look at kyle just just breaking breaking down some fitness break Breaking down body type. Yeah. And, and Adam, Adam Sarson said this after the hero, and I, I died. It was so funny. He said, look, I'm I'm in on Cat. I think that I think he's gonna be uh I think he's gonna be good in 2018 as long as he doesn't show up at Tory looking like LaRon Landry. <laughs> and I thought that was like the funniest thing. But, but true. It's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he he shows up he did show up looking like Laron Landry uh, last year, and then three rounds later he's ejected for the year and he looked he looked thin he looked younger he looked um, he just looked fit and ready to roll for 2018 and again like this is my from 1500 miles away watching on TV take about somebody's body 42 year old body which is a ludicrous way to project uh, a golf season but i i legitimately thought it was encouraging and then the other thing is just the way he talked about his rounds and he sort of combined two things he, he, it was the tiger of old in terms of feels didn't have my feels right. and uh trying to shoot 65 and and all the hilarious things that both make him easy to mock but also probably are what make him great but then he combined those with hey this was a success like and that's a that's a realistic tiger that we have not always gotten in the past because there are times where he's like trying to win trying to win thought i could win you know that's the expectation is to win and you're like bro be be realistic you know like you haven't played in two years and he did that this or uh, last week at tory I, I thought that was there, there's a long game here that is not four rounds long or four tournaments long, but four years. Yeah, you know, and it feels like he's playing that more than maybe he has in the past. So those are those are those are probably my, uh, you know, outside of all the on course stuff. Probably my two biggest takeaways. He had uh, he had a good quote, um, and I, I'm if I'm messing it up, it's only by a word or two. But I think he said it was good to see that I can go out and grind with the best of them. And that I gotta think is is going to give him confidence that uh, is is going to in the long game, as you mentioned. So sort of, you know, when 
when he's back, when he's out there at Riviera, when he's out there later in the year, when he, when he's, you know, when he's out there uh, playing at Augusta, or when in, when all the pressure's on and everyone is hyped to see him healthy and playing again, that when he doesn't have it, he's already proven to himself that he can go out there and still find ways to score and find ways to compete, and that's awesome. I was just, uh, yeah. yeah, I was, I was, totally. I was happy. I mean, that's a well, like, I, Go ahead. The the other interesting quote that he said was he feels uncomfortable trying to to go low. To, to shoot the 64, 65, 66 at, at a place like, oh, I don't know, you know, the week before a career, career builder or this week at, at Phoenix. He feels that's where he feels uncomfortable. And that's where it's going to be, I think, difficult for him later in the year at a place like even even Bay Hill or, or Augusta where like, hey, you got to go shoot a you got to shoot a 66 at some point to win this golf tournament. Uh, is he going to be able to do that? I, I don't know. And I don't know if he knows that right now. He was talking but, about good misses, you know, like, yeah. fi- like figuring out where, you know, the, like playing some, playing some, playing some conservative golf. I mean, you know, I love it, but that's definitely not a way to win. Well, and, and that's the thing, like his institution, I, this is the phrase I was using all weekend and it makes me sound like a, you know, like a suit at a fortune 500 company, which is, preposterous no, for no talking about golf. No one's confused you but for that. His, yeah, his institutional knowledge of these courses and of just the, the way the PGA Tour works and the way golf at that level works is, I'm convinced, so far beyond even the young guys on tour uh, who, who are really smart about the game, that he's just operating at a different level, I think, mentally. And so that that allows some margin for physical error um, that that some other guys might not have. And so I'm I'm fascinated. And this is this is, I think Kevin Van Valkenburg was the first one to talk about this. But a 42 year old cat, a 45 year old cat, trying to to uh, combine his institutional knowledge with a fading physical game to beat guys like Jordan Spieth and Rory McIlroy is the most compelling thing ever. It, it's almost, and it might be more compelling than a 30 year old cat just destroying people. The chess master, that, like the, the, the wise and like playing the, like playing the mind game to beat these guys that are y- younger and, and overpowering golf courses. All of a sudden the, the superstar who used to overpower has, has taken the role of the, the wizened uh, sage in the in the game of golf. Yeah, it's freaking compelling. Yeah, he's so he and and he doesn't get enough credit for how smart he. I think he's like, I think he's a genius. Like like a on the spectrum sir. of genius or whatever <laughs> you want to measure it. Like he's he's there. A- absolutely, absolutely. And so he, he doesn't get enough credit for it because I don't know how you can give someone enough credit for those types of things, but. The, the the one part of his game that is necessary for him to be successful in in that chess match is is chipping and putting, right? Because like I go play golf with my dad, and my dad can't hit it one ninety off the tee, and yet he still scores with me, and it's the most frustrating thing in the world because he's an old man and he has a good short game, and with Tiger, we've seen in the past few years like his short game. 
and especially his chipping has been kind of bad. And so I thought it was pretty encouraging. He, he I think he was, I don't know, his, his around the his strokes gain around the green wasn't great, but the putting was there. I mean, it was, it was really impressive. So uh, can he? Can he keep those things up? I don't know. We'll see. But he's going to have to to contend and, and win in 2018 or beyond. Um, okay. We, uh, I want to throw to Greg Norman. Anything you want to you say to set this up? What did you think about uh, speaking to the shark in person? It was great. You know, it was funny to talk to some of the people that are there because they don't know you. And I think they're sort of leery. Like, who's this kid that's 32 and looks like he's like 26? What does he know about golf? And and so you start kind of, and I think you'll hear this in the interview, the, the farther we got into it, the more I kind of won him over, I think, I hope. No, <laughs> hey, listen, the same thing happens to me. I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. And I know what that yeah. experience is like. And he gave some really good answers at the end. Like we talked about, I asked him what the most, what the thing that players have now that he's most jealous of. And he said social media, which I thought was fascinating. That's not the answer that I expected. I thought better travel, more purse money, whatever. But uh, he he was really somebody who I think was sort of a forerunner in thinking about life and business beyond uh, his playing career. Mm -hmm. And he said some really interesting things about Tiger as well. Uh, He's not – he basically said, I don't really care. Like I don't care about his comeback. I don't care about – uh, any of it because there's so many good players that are worthy of being the best player in the world that golf I, I think his insinuation was that golf doesn't necessarily need him now tv ratings and other things would would say something different but i thought his take on it as a former number one player in the world was that i mean that that's a pretty qualified person to give that take so it was it was interesting stuff. He was compelling, and uh, yeah, I think we had we had some fun with it. All right, Kyle Porter and Greg Norman from the PJ Merch Show in Orlando. Make sure that you subscribe to the First Cut Podcast, uh, and we will be coming with more. Just on the other side, hiring every business needs great people and a better way to find them. Something better than posting your job online and praying for the right people to see it. You're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. Well, then you probably need ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter knew that there was a smarter way to hire, so they built a platform that where the right job candidates find you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. In fact, 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. The right candidates are out there, and ZipRecruiter is how you find them. And right now, our listeners of the First Cut podcast can try ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash First Cut. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash First Cut. One more time, ZipRecruiter.com slash First Cut. You can start posting jobs for free. It's ZipRecruiter. It's the smartest way to hire. Okay, uh, Greg Norman, uh, thanks for joining us today. I appreciate you you, uh, coming on. Thank you. You having a good week? My week is good, yeah. I've only been here a couple of hours at the PGA show, but uh, I'm not here for the whole week. How would you describe this experience to someone who has never been here? Because I get here and it's overwhelming, it's crazy. How would you describe it to somebody? 
Uh, well, it depends on what you're looking for, right? If you're looking for certain products, you're looking for technology, you're looking to where the game of golf is headed, how's it heading there, you really can spend three or four days here just you know, systematically going around the yeah. show, identifying those specific things you're looking for. So, um, look, it's all-encompassing. It's what the golf is all about. It's everything from hard goods to soft goods to technology, and um, it's worth a look if you're in that industry. What, what do your days look like nowadays? Because you're, you're involved in 100 different companies. You've got a lot going on. How do you manage everything? Well, my personal day, yeah, like 9 yeah, to 5, yeah. Monday to Friday. What does that um, look like? Look, I, I mean, I have 14 different divisions of the company, yeah. um, you know, from golf course to dine, down to soft goods, down to the wine business, down to beef business, down to real estate, to shark experience, partnerships with all Verizon and Club Car, those type of things. It's... It's a fun time, to tell you the truth, because at the end of the day, <clears throat> I've gone away from a sports marketing company, which I had to be when I was number one player in the world, right. to a more of a B2B company where I'm building businesses, yeah. putting foundations underneath them, you know, building out into a, a 10-year, 15, 20, 200-year cycle. Yeah, that's great. W which of your businesses are you most excited about or, or really gets you, you know, w which one are you most passionate about right now? Well, I'd have to say Shark Experience. We yeah. just launched today to the general public. It's been a four-and-a-half-year project that uh, my partner and I, David Chesson, and I have been working on. And basically, we're going to finance putting a screen on every club car that comes out of the man off the manufacturing line February the 1st. And in doing that, we get to own the content that's on that screen. Yeah. So technology side is coming to golf mm -hmm. in a big way through Shark Experience. It's giving the platform, which is a software platform of what you have on your device. We're putting speakers in the roof of the golf cart so you can stream your own music or you can have um, uh, yeah, live streaming music, you can have live streaming entertainment, news, live streaming sports, live sports, all that stuff. So it's everything you have on your device every day, right. all day. Um, it's, we call it your game, your way. Yeah, that's great. How, w within your businesses, how much of your role is uh, thinking of ideas? How much of it is empowering other people to think of ideas? Just how, how do you how do you do that? It's a bit of both. Like Shark Experience was my idea. Yeah. Right? I mean, I thought about. It, I recognized Virgin Space. Mm -hmm. Tried to understand how you could build a model around this Virgin Space that nobody's ever done it before, and then finding the right partner. So that was my idea. Um, then you need people around you to help you do that. Yeah. Um, at the same time, you also give. Like I said, and my everybody works for me. I'm going to give you enough rope to either hang yourself with or play with, right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, so you got to allow them to evolve. Yeah. And part of that evolution is letting them probably make a mistake to understand what that mistake was. Right. How you correct it to make you a better person or better human resource um, uh, person in the within the company. So, look, I've been lucky. I've had people have been working for me nearly 30 years so um, it's a pretty good testament to the the HR model I have within my company who did who did you uh, when you're playing golf who did you model your game after the most and then and then in business who have you who have you looked to and maybe learned from the most to model your businesses after? well in golf I uh, Jack Nicholas was yeah. my idol there's no question about that I read all his books that's how I started playing the game I wasn't uh, I didn't have a a coach per yeah. se. I grew up in junior clinics and I read his books. Um, and then in, in business, I just always believed in asking successful people a question, yeah. right? 
I know a lot of great CEOs from the past. Um, I thought one of my big idols was Jack Welch, former CEO yeah. of uh, GE. Um, and I've been lucky enough to know some leaders of countries around the world and understand what decisions they have to make that's got an impact on a nation, yeah. uh, how important those things are, how you weigh those up. Um, so, look, there's been a lot of people that I've respected over time. Quite a few of them never graduated from college either, yeah. right? They're street smart people. Yeah. And if you're trying to grow your brand in a certain space, like in golf, you've got to be street smart um, in a lot of ways, but you also have got to have the the product and the brand right. behind you. And yeah. um, fortunately, I had a bit of both. What um, What do you miss most about playing? Nothing. Nothing? Nothing right now. Is, is there, but is there anything <laughs> in... 2018 that PGA Tour players or European Tour, player, tour players get the try man I, I wish we would have had that when I, whenever oh, I was playing for me absolutely social media yeah oh really oh my god I would have loved to have social media like the kids have it today well, why is that because you your true direct connection yeah to your fan base to your constituents to the people who believe in you right. want to follow you and they come and put their bums on a seat to watch you hit a golf yeah. ball. They turn on the TV to see you perform. Um, having that direct contact with them would have been invaluable for me because sometimes perception is given, an incorrect perception is given from lack of knowing the individual. It's right. just reported that way. And uh, so at the end of the day, I would love to have social media. Who do you think is doing that the best out of, out of the guys that I are I think they're all doing a great job. Yeah. I mean, you look at it from the Spiefs of the world to Justin Thomas's to McElroy's to uh, Ricky does a really good yeah. job with it. I think across the board, that age group of the kids between whatever the youngest one is today, 17, right. 18, 19, up into that 30, yeah. 31 mark. They're doing a great job. And it's not having somebody else do it for you. Yeah. It's you yeah. doing it yourself. It's your own true words. It's your own messaging. Not having some person you're paying behind the scenes right. to go and do it or building your account somewhere. Yeah. You being the authentic person behind that social media platform is really important to me. And I think the kids do a really good job with it. Do players nowadays think more about their post-playing career than, than when you were playing? I don't know. I really don't know. There's, these kids are making so much money today, but it's all relative, right? I made a lot of money yeah. in for my day time, yeah. for the time, yeah. and now they're making a lot of money. You just, you just hope that they're smart enough when they stop. There's another 70 years of life to go through, right? Yeah. And make sure you position yourself to take that stress away. I looked at it differently. Um, I looked at the fact that uh, I didn't want to be a pass-through entity in life, and that's what you are as a sports figure with the management company. Right. You're basically a pass-through entity. Your life cycle is X, Yeah. right? So I wanted to build equity in my own brand. So the only way I could build equity in my own brand was to create a great logo, yeah. create a great foundation underneath you, and build off of that. And um, 30 years later, here I am. Yeah. How much do you feel, still follow golf at, uh, on a professional level? Um, not much really. Yeah, not much. I mean, I, I don't particularly rush home on a Saturday to turn on TV or watch golf. You're not locked into like the Greenbrier on Saturday. <laughs> not really, but I will follow. You know, on an app that I have, the PGA Tour app, I will yeah. pull that. Out. Okay, who's leading today? That snackable information. I yeah. read it, got it. Okay, fine, and then right. I scroll down to see. Okay, what happened to? 
one of the players I like to follow, yeah. you know? So it really is not sitting there watching it. It's just in and out, in and out. Who do you like to follow? Like, who, who are the guys that you're like... Because I, I think a lot of pros are just kind of whatever when it comes to other pros. But is there a guy that you're like, wow, I, I really There's about four or five. Who, who are they? DJ. Yeah. I'm a big fan of DJ. I think uh, what he's done on a consistent basis is is probably above anybody yeah. any else right now. Um, I do follow Justin Thomas. Yeah. I like his game. Yeah. I think he's power to weight. I mean, he's phenomenal to see what he's done and to see the the rise, the, you know, the instant rise from just all of a sudden he believed in himself and boom, right. off he was yeah. off and running. Um, I like Jordan. Yeah. I like his demeanor. He seemed like he's the most professional of professionals, yeah. if I could say of that of the whole group. But very articulate, very savvy about the game, understanding about the game, knowing where he wants to be, how he wants to be on the golf course. Um, you know, I like to see Rory. Yeah. I like to see what happens to him this year. Yeah. Then obviously Jason Day and Adam Scott, obviously, and Mark Leishman. I like to follow him. So anyway, there's five or six yeah. already to rattle off. You have a really unique perspective on kind of a big debate in golf right now, which is rolling the ball back, because mm -hmm. you've seen it from all sides as a player, as a, as a on the business side, where, where, where do you land on this this debate? 100% behind it. Yeah. Um, I've been saying this along with all the players of my era and just mm -hmm. a little bit for me. We've been saying this in 1996. Yeah. So whatever the messaging is today, <laughs> it's exactly what we've been saying in 1996. Yeah. And um, because it is necessary to do that. I, I make this comment all the time. You give the best players in the world that got to perch a ball Hickory Sharp to golf clubs, put them on Augusta National for the Masters, yeah. and the best players will still be the winners. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They always figure out how to play with the equipment they've right. got. So if you rolled it all back, the best players are still going to be the best players. Yeah. It's just not making certain golf courses obsolete. It's just not forcing golf courses to have an event to spend millions of dollars on an annual basis to lengthen these golf courses. Yeah. It's crazy. For what? 30 players, maybe? Yeah. 25 players? It's just asinine. That asinine, that rule in 1996 was the most, I think, the most hurtful thing that happened to the game of golf. Yeah, it, it, it really is crazy. Has it affected, because you've done a ton of golf course design, has it affected the way you design courses at all or, or now? Yes and no. There have been times when um, uh, PJ Tour come to me to San Antonio. He's a prime example. Right. TPC of San Antonio, which Pete died did one, I did the other, yeah. where the Valero was played. They wanted to build a golf course around 7,900 yards. Yeah. I went, are you kidding me? I'm not building a golf course 7,900 <laughs> yeah. yards because for the other 51 weeks a year, the public are playing. <laughs> I said, I'm not spending that much money yeah. because it's not like make a golf course 10% longer, it's going to cost you 10%. Yeah. It's, it's astronomical how much money it costs to build a golf course that much longer, <clears throat> but to continually maintain it. So I scraped and fought and you know we got it down to like 7500 which yeah. is still a long golf That's course pretty, pretty long and today when they play it they don't even play it anywhere near that length yeah. so yes we do run into that situation right. but most of the golf courses we build even though we play a lot of european tour events on them and pj tour events on them um we try and keep it around the 7300 yards 7400 yard mark because you don't want to hand off that ongoing cost right. to the regular player. Right. Uh, Open uh, goes to Carnoustie this year. Mm -hmm. uh, what, there's obviously this rotation within the Open Championship. You've won the tournament before. What are your 
what are your favorite courses in that rota? Oh, St. Andrews, Muirfield, um, Turnbury, um, Carnoustie. Troon, I'll put Troon before Carnoustie. Okay. They'll be closed, but Carnoustie's probably the toughest it's of the lot. So depends hard. on how they yeah. depend on how they set it. I got a feeling the RNA is going to <laughs> set it up pretty tough this year, which is good. You yeah. Know? yeah. I, 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 look, I think the the top players, the harder the conditions are, the better. Yeah. I don't like seeing U.S. Open golf courses. The fairways are 50 yards wide, where the bombers just have a distinct advantage over majority of the field. Right. I think that's unfair when you're trying to find out who's the best all-round golfer yeah. in a major championship. And I think the RNA will do a, do a tough one this year. Yeah. And then last one, got to ask you about Tiger. I was talking to somebody the other day. The the older you get and the more injuries you go through, it seems like the smaller the margins are in terms of being able to play well and, and win. And, and you probably experienced mm-hmm. that a little bit as you got older. What are expectations? What should expectations be for him uh, coming back? Well, you know, quite honestly... You're not going to believe my answer on this. I really don't care. <laughs> I'm not interested in Tiger Woods. You can you can you can see <laughs> it on your phone. You know, see if he's I, leading. because you know why? You've just named six or eight guys that I love to watch. Yeah. I love these guys. I love what they do for the game of golf. Each and every one of them can take that number one baton yeah. and run with it yeah. with honor and distinction and carry the game. Right. The companies they represent and the countries they play under. Right. right? I love them for that. So I really don't care about Tiger. Yeah. You know, if he comes back and does well, great. If he doesn't come back, fine. It yeah. doesn't. It's not going to move my needle one bit, shape, or form. Yeah. And I think he gets too much attention, to tell you the truth. Yeah. Because it's disrespectful to the other players. Right. My thanks to Kyle Porter, as always. Our thanks to Greg Norman for his time. Make sure that you subscribe to the First Cup Podcast with Kyle Porter. Leave favorable reviews and check us out. We'll be back with Phoenix Open Picks on the other side.